takes a minute. Consent to being live streamed. Okay, I'm consenting. Okay, all good. I'm glad they asked you for that. Yeah. All right. We're streaming live on Facebook right now. All right, well, we'll get started shortly then. But how are you doing, Dad? I'm doing great. The sun is shining. Actually, it's going to be 91 degrees here today in Los Angeles. So it's crazy, wow. crazy warm. But uh, we had some real winter earlier in the week. It was in the 70s. <laughs> there. But all is good. Lots of good projects and exciting things going on. So, Well, I'm so happy to be with you yet again. This is our third energy crash course. We've now covered energy storage and microgrids. And so the obvious next episode was vehicle to grid. Um, so thanks those of you who are joining us live today or maybe watching this recording. Um, really delighted to be here with my dad, Ted Flanagan and president of EcoMotion as we work to demystify different energy topics. And um, I don't know a lot about vehicle to grid. And so I am going to ask all the obvious questions, hopefully. And if I forget some, please um, feel free to add them in the chat. Um, but let's get started super high level, Dad. What is vehicle to grid? Well, yeah, well, thanks for hosting a, another crash course. It's great to be here with you and to talk about, to talk about these topics that really excite me. And vehicle to grid is, is kind of a new concept that, that's come about. And it's come, really come about because of the, of the launch of electric vehicles. And when you have plug-in hybrid electric vehicles, <clears throat> fuel cell electric vehicles, regular electric vehicles, all of a sudden, we have a lot of batteries in society. Uh, a lot right. of batteries that we didn't have in society. And if you think about it this way, it becomes really clear that we have an asset to be used. And that is that we only use our vehicles about 5% of the time. Typically, the average person only uses their vehicle about 5% of the time. Right. That means that 95% of the time that vehicle is sitting there doing nothing. Right. And that means that that expensive battery in that, in that electric vehicle, or in the case of a fuel cell vehicle, the, the amount of hydrogen in that vehicle that can be converted to electricity is an asset that can be used for, to shore up the grid. And so imagine just very simply that in the future, everybody will have an electric vehicle and every one of us, the vehicle will be plugged in to a charger in our garage or uh, in our yard somewhere. And in the future, when you're not using it, you can make arrangements to the utility that they can actually use that storage. So when there's a period of peak demand, they might actually draw power from electric vehicles all throughout uh, their service territory in wow. sort of a virtual power plant kind of a mode. So Wow, that makes so much sense. So it's a huge asset and value or could be potentially to the grid. But what's the current status? I mean, how? Well, there's, there's got to be kind of lay it all on the table. You know, one of the big issues with vehicle to grid is that you're cycling the batteries a lot more. Hmm. And when you cycle batteries a lot more, that's one of the factors that causes those batteries to degrade, to degrade. So so there's been a real reluctance from the electric, from most of the electric vehicle manufacturers to let their electric vehicle fleets, their fleets, to let those, these electric vehicles 
be connected to the grid because if they're cycling every day, then you're starting to have a lot more battery degradation uh, than you would if you were just using that car periodically. So, so that's an issue that has held back uh, this vehicle to grid. But Nissan has been working on this since 2012. It was really the leading, it's been the leading auto manufacturer. And now I've just heard that Tesla is really going to start putting, uh, making their Model 3s combat compatible uh, for vehicle to grid as well. So is this happening anywhere in the U.S.? Well, there's pilot programs and okay. there's just pilot programs. That's really where we're at. UC San Diego had a pilot program. There's, I want to talk about a pilot program in the Netherlands. There's pilot programs in Japan. One of the interesting things that came out, this was five years ago or maybe six years ago, there was a national study that said if you had an electric vehicle and if we had vehicle to grid capabilities, then the average vehicle owner could make between three and $500 a year just by letting their vehicle be used for this vehicle to grid capability by plugging into the utility grid. And that, that range of difference was based on how much you use your electric vehicle, because if you use your electric vehicle a lot, then there's not a lot of extra capacity in that battery, extra energy in that battery that can be used by the grid. So you'd get $300 a year. But if you, if you didn't use your car very much like me, then you might be eligible for $500. So those are very initial values. Um, but I think we're gonna see much higher values for, for the use of our vehicles uh, for the grid in the future. And so how much degradation are we talking? I mean, is it cutting the battery life in half if a program like this was in full effect? Like, what does it mean for the consumer, the, the driver of that car? Yeah, this is, this is something that's got to be figured out because uh, nobody's going to want to do it if they, lose their, if they lose their effective life of their batteries. That's a really expensive upgrade in electric vehicles and right. battery bank. You know, a Tesla, I think if you, if you drive a Tesla for you know, 10 years, I think you're down, your battery degradation is, is only down 10% or something like that. So, um, but if you did start cycling it daily, I think it would go down a lot more than that. There's a lot of people working, as we said in one of the prior episodes, a lot of people working on battery chemistry and yeah. finding, um, finding the best way of, of cycling batteries. There's a lot more than just how often you cycle. It's the depth of discharge. It's the temperature of discharge, it's the frequency of discharge, it's the speed of discharge. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of variables and a lot of smart people are, are looking into this. I could envision a, a future in which, uh, and I chatted about this with our utility here, uh, in which maybe the utilities own the batteries in our EVs. And, and in fact, if they do get degraded, then they have to swap them out for us or something like that. Uh, yeah, this, very cool. this is something that has to get worked out, but because the, the very basic principle of V2G is that, wow, we got all these batteries out there, these un, unused assets, come on, right. let's, let's figure this out. I mean, imagine that you go to your, you drive to, to Los Angeles airport, you park your car, you're going on vacation. It, the car is sitting there, right? Now, why can't, and, it's, and, and the utility has experienced its peak demand, it's, it's right. August, it's September, October, whatever. It's a hot day. Now, the utility could, if you're plugged in, the utility could draw from that. So when you're on vacation, your car could be making you money. That's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool stuff. Very cool. Um, so so the, the utilities would benefit because they would have more capacity right? More flexibility as the grid is, is peak demand um, and yeah, whatever's going on with them. Can you give some examples of uh, utilities that maybe have embraced this or 
you know, what, what are those pilot programs you talked about and, and what are we learning from them? Well, I think, I think the pilot programs um, are, are teaching us the, the technology. Um, we, I don't think that the utilities have embraced this yet to figure out the pricing. Although you, there you are in Snowmass, Colorado being served by Holy Cross Energy, which is, you know, has a program where it will buy capacity from people, uh, energy at peak periods from however you can deliver it. And that includes electric vehicles. So there is some monetization. Oh, yeah. There is some monetization, and I know Holy Cross is paying up to a dollar a kilowatt hour to buy peak power. So whether that's coming from power walls that you happen to have on your property, that is another part of their program, or it comes from your electric vehicle, or if you can prove that you're able to curtail certain loads, uh, then you can be paid for that. So, so we're starting to see this, this utility value, and the utilities look at this through the lens of the, what they call the virtual power plant. And this notion that in the old days, they just had one big power plant right. and, uh, and then the big lots of wires going all over the place. And now we're going to have uh, we're going to have all these distributed power plants and distributed energy resources, DERs is what people call them. And and they're you know, they're going to be solar systems and they're going to be storage systems. And now they're going to be vehicles that are going to be plugged into the grid as well. And so the power plant, instead of being centralized, becomes grossly decentralized. And the term, the term that's being used is, is virtual. Yeah, and we're seeing obviously this surge of electric vehicles on the market. I know we talked a little bit about the Ford F-150, which has gotten a lot of attention for its emergency power backup uh, facil- faculties. So yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the trends in electric vehicles and sort of when we might expect seeing a little bit more vehicle to grid collaboration. I'm always saying in the next five years, we're going to see this radical change and I don't know how fast this is going to come about. It is phenomenal. The rise of electric vehicles. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you think back to the days of the Prius and the Prius was this radical revolutionary revolutionary (laughs) vehicle. And, and now that's pretty darn old hat, what maybe. <laughs> so, but we're seeing, you know, a, a really strong rise in electric vehicles. There's so many different ones that are available and they're sporty and they're fast. They're being, you know, they're not unlike the Prius, which was really dorky. You know, I had, as you know, et cetera. <laughs> I love the Prius, but most people didn't. But nowadays you can buy, you know, you can buy a nice Volvo, you can buy a nice Porsche, you can buy a nice Tesla, you can buy, I mean, there's, a, there's 40 or so models available. And the wow. F-150, is the best-selling pickup truck in America. It's the best-selling vehicle in the world. So, this is amazing. This is this would be like the Volkswagen Bug of yesteryear going electric. It's <laughs> like, wow! If the F one fifty that appeals to such a wide swath of people that now the F one fifty, if it goes electric and it gets this reputation of being really fast and sporty uh, and cost-effective, then I think it's it's really going to take off. So, I wanted to tell the story a little bit about you know, um, how vehicle to grid would work for my own house here. And because I've got a hundred percent solar that was taking care of our needs here and our electric vehicle. And I I was, because I'm in the energy business, I thought, well, I should have some, some kind of emergency backup storage. And so most people are thinking about Tesla power walls right now. And a Tesla power wall Costs about fifteen thousand bucks before rebates, um, and has thirteen and a half kilowatt hours uh, in in each power wall. And so, on my home here on a hot summer summer day, I use over forty kilowatt hours. So I would need to have, if I covered my entire load, I would need to have 
at least two, maybe three power walls uh, here. So that's an option. Uh, and this is it's a slick, slick option and, and it's a, a very, I think very progressive. It, so we're, each power wall being about 15,000 a piece? Yes, yes. So yeah, $45,000. Yeah, maybe maybe half of that is rebated. At the most, okay. half of that is rebated through the S-chip program out here in California, but or at least a third is rebated. So $30,000 to have resilience. Now, if I if I brought in a Generac, which is the biggest generator company in America, it's just selling, they're just selling generators like crazy. Now they're, they're natural gas generators, right? So if I wanted a Generac and I wanted a 10 kW unit or even bigger than that, I'm probably spending, you know, $15,000 total, maybe less than that. So, so at a fraction of the cost of doing the Tesla Powerwall route, uh, then I get the Generac. Well, I don't want, of course, I don't want a noisy generator that's burning fossil fuels and that's contributing to climate problems. And of course, the Generac is not being used on a daily basis for anything. It's just sitting there for an emergency. But what I realized was that, my goodness, I've got a, an electric vehicle that's sitting there with 60 kilowatt hours on board. Uh, and so remember, compare that to the Tesla Powerwalls at 13 and a half kilowatt hours. Uh, the Ford pickup, the Ford pickup will have more like 90 kilowatt hours on board. A, a school bus has more like 150 kilowatt hours on board. A municipal bus has more like 300 kilowatt hours on board. So you can just see that that car, that, that unused, that largely unused asset uh, could be linked into my own home and provide me with backup power uh, very, very cost effectively. Yeah, it makes total sense. And we see that with buses too, right? Like I know in Santa Monica, you know, in many cities, even just right in Mexico City, there are electric buses. Uh, so those have, like you said, much bigger capacity for storage. Yes, and could be very important in the event of a grid outage if they right. can drive somewhere and plug in. I mean, that's right. the real thing, you know, I've been right. doing this research for Santa Monica, which is some mobile generators. How do we plug mobile generators into buildings? So B to B, not V to G, but V mm -hmm. battery to building. And you, you know, you need to have a, a inlet. You need a way of plugging in. It's almost like taking an RV to an RV park. You need a big plug and, and plug. You want you to be able to plug your Ford pickup truck into your house. Well, that can mm -hmm. either happen if you already have a charger. Uh, like I do here for my electric vehicle, I got to get rid of that. I got to get rid of that to unidirectional charger. That just takes my AC power from my house and puts a DC into my car. What I'll need to do is swap that out with a bi-directional charger so that I can go both directions. I can draw the utility or I can draw from the car. The utility can draw for demand response programs and peak shaving. I can draw from the car for, for energy backup if the grid goes down. And inversely, I can load that car, obviously, with solar power when I have ample solar power. So there's, there's, some, there's some logistics here of, of getting of being able to hook up every yeah. car. Sure, sure. So I'm working on a project up in Tahoe where I'm advising on, on, on a building new resort that's going in. I'm proposing that every parking space has a bi-directional charger hmm. that, that is wired to a, every individual condo so that you can have the resilience that your car provides you uh, parked in the garage. Pretty cool stuff. So cool. And so you said in the next five years, um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it sounds like some of this is very possible. Like in California, is that totally allowed to go bi-directional with the energy flow? 
It, it will be. I mean, there will, there will be different rules. There will be sort of different national electric code rules for configuring this. But, but generally, I think there's, there's nothing in particular. There's no huge barriers in the way. Um, and let me tell you about this. This pro you mentioned school buses. So they have like the, the the new school buses are all being the electrics are all being configured for vehicle to grid, which is great. In fact, if you get a grant from the California Energy Commission, the only school bus that you can buy is V to G ready. And so, as you know, we're working down in Chula Vista for the elementary school district there, and they got a grant for ten buses. They're Bluebird buses, and they each have 150 kWh on board. And we're going to be powering those buses with solar at their transportation yard, which is pretty neat. Uh, we get all sorts of low carbon fuel standard credits for that. But in the what we're trying to do, we set up a microgrid at the district office. And the microgrid is based on solar and storage. But we realize that if we need more capacity for the microgrid, and the microgrid is there handling all their IT functions and the refrigeration for their food kitchens and all. But if we need more capacity, wouldn't it be great if we could just drive a bus over? And bring the bus over and just plug it in. And that gives us 150 kilowatt hours. Or we could take that bus to any one of their 49 school sites in the future if they're wired for, for this kind of backup capacity. Okay. So you think about fleets. Uh, you think of school buses. Um, you think of garbage trucks, uh, you know, UPS trucks. I mean, there's all, postal service trucks. There's a lot of fleets that are out there. But right. that's probably where we'll first see V to G coming into existence is when you've got multiple uh, vehicles in, in one location. That makes all, that'll make a lot of sense to begin with, and then it'll become more and more distributed. Yeah, and I'm sure it's an issue for the utility in different ways, but for you know freedom-loving Americans, like how cool is that to have all these different options and freedom from the the grid. Um, so it's, it's exciting. I, yeah. I, where is the biggest resistance to this? Well, probably, I think probably the battery degradation is probably the biggest, uh, the biggest, biggest resistance because people, yeah. you know, don't want to degrade their asset. Um, right. But, but that, again, I, I think that'll change. And I don't know whether it's five, I don't know what the time frame is, whether it's five years or what, what the time frame is, but, but this is just so logical that we've got these, yeah. these batteries. And so, Throughout our society, I mean, you know, there's so many cars, right? And so logical that we could now plug them in and have them being part of this utility fabric. And it's really a, it, it's really a, a synergy between, uh, you know, a, a consumer that um, has their vehicle, they've got their mobility, now they've got some more backup, maybe they can actually get some revenue from their utility when they're out of town or daily if they're cycling their car. It's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a whole new world. And um, one of the coolest projects that, that's really very uh, early is in Amsterdam, and it's at this Johan Cruyff Stadium Arena, and the, the the football club there called the Ajax play at this arena. It's a big it's a big stadium, and what they've done they've got a megawatt of solar, and then they've they've taken all these old old EV batteries and put this huge battery farm in place there. But the coolest thing that they've done is they've They've set up a number of parking spaces. I think they started with 15 and I'm not sure what they're up to now, but they set up these parking spaces with vehicle to grid um, chargers, right? So bi-directional chargers and then consenting fans or people that come to the stadium 
can say, okay, yes, I'll let you have half of the half of the energy in my battery bank or whatever it happens to be, or a third or a quarter. And they make, they make an arrangement and they get compensated for that. So if you start to think about it, uh, we're working for a large stadium in New York, big, big baseball stadium. Uh, and we know it peaks out at a little over eight megawatts. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's 8,000 kilowatts. So if we had a thousand cars in a parking lot, there were every single one of them plugged in and each delivering 8kW which is what my charger actually works out i can i can i can transfer power at a rate of 8kW wow that would power the entire stadium right so uh, wow. that's sort of an extreme example but you start to think about how important this is what wow. about a what about a factory uh, where they have hundreds of employees that come to work and they just park their cars there I mean, they could have an arrangement where those cars become, it's almost like the lungs of the, of the electrical system, but they become integrated with the electrical system. So I think we're gonna see more and more of that. Uh, and this is this whole notion of we, in the battery world, we always talk about the, the value stack. And we talk about stacking benefits of batteries because they're in stacking ways of getting revenues from the batteries. But realize this, that the utilities need frequency control on their system. 24 7 365 days a year so if we have all these batteries and they're they're carefully controlled they can provide ancillary services to the grid that, that handles mm -hmm. that frequency it stabilizes that frequency um, they can provide the peak the peak limiting uh in the event in those events those hot summer days or if there's a load energy right they can any, any pretty much any configuration anything that they need can be filled in with these distributed storage systems. Yeah. It's it's so exciting and I love the creativity that it requires and, and invites. Um, uh, I just had a question. Oh, and well, I loved your idea of um, the the battery companies or you know the the manufacturers that are hiring people in these big factories or whatever actually like being taking responsibility responsibility for the batteries and swapping them out so it becomes such an easy yeah. and obvious solution could, for could be, vehicle could, be handled, could be handled by the leasing company a lot of people are leasing yeah. vehicles so the leasing company could have an arrangement that they are the ones that are they've worked out this deal with the utilities and that they're they're the ones that are going to be maintaining that state of charge in the batteries and, and swapping out the batteries if need be so so the stadium idea is so cool and clearly there's a lot of potential the utility policy scale but what are some more immediate applications or i guess specifically what could you recommend to folks interested in getting more involved in this area yeah i, I think unfortunately i think it's kind of stay tuned i mean as yeah. if you're if you're thinking about buying a new electric vehicle um, many of them, most of them do not have bi-directional chargers on board. Uh, I think the Model 3 will, uh, I think the Nissan Leaf does, but it's something to be aware of when you're purchasing a vehicle that uh, in, in the coming years, there will be this way for you to tie into the grid and be part of the V2G movement. So you might want to be thinking about getting vehicles that are a V2G capable. Same thing with school buses, you know, school districts are buying buses all the time and there's some that are available that are V2G capable and some that aren't. 
same thing, same thing with chargers. Uh, you know, it's time to start thinking about getting bi-directional chargers in our homes. Um, it's time to uh, be probably be a little bit active and, and su support this movement. Uh, I know that our utility needs a little, we have a municipal utility here in Glendale, needs a little push every now and then to kind of think about sort of some of these new technologies. And when people in the community come forward and say, we want this, we right. want to be part of this. Uh, our utility here, as I mentioned, we're already developing a virtual power plant of, of solar and storage systems in thousands of homes, complementing our big storage down at our main power plant. Now we have a big storage going in there. But then this could be the next thing for that utility is to start to think about, okay, there's utility and EV adoption is going like that, right? People, more and more people are buying EVs. So more and more, this is an asset that can be tapped for, for our communities. But it is, it's, it's, it's early, it's early. And there's um, people that, that um, are interested in sort of shaping their careers. This is a good one to look at because there's an awful lot of cars out there and there's an awful lot of batteries and there's an awful lot of peak demand. And as you know, as we electrify buildings and as we electrify mobility, you know, there's to be more and more demand on the power system. And therefore, you know, there'll be more and more demand for assets like this to be utilized. Yeah. I mean, it it makes total sense. And this conversation has really illuminated for me that potential in the future. Um, so it sounds like a great next step for anybody who's really passionate about this is to call your utility or even your, you know, elected official to just say, what are you doing about this? And dad, are there organizations or people who are kind of leading this movement that we should kind of watch well, I, I think there's, you know, there's a company called Nueve that's making these chargers that's been very involved. There's a company called eMobility. Uh, Nissan is, is out in front. I think Tesla is going to be going to be sliding right in there uh, really soon. So there's a yeah, there's a there's a real growing movement. And now with Ford uh, and all the elect all the pickup manufacturers are starting to make uh, electric pickups. And so those will be you know, those are going to be used uh, in, in all sorts of different ways. Uh, from, from tailgating parties uh, to plugging into the house to being part of the V to G movement. So, yeah, it's just, an, just a really exciting space. You know, there's, I, I did want to mention before we end that there is, there is one thing that uh, kind of makes me, makes me think about this and, and kind of makes me contemplate, you know, what should, should we be advocating V to G for, for homeowners, for, for um, people that have single family vehicles or single person vehicles. Because if you think about it, the fact that we're only using our vehicles 5% of the time is pretty ineffective, right? right. I mean, cars are expensive assets. And then for only to be used 5% of the time is kind of crazy from any you know, oh, economic right. you know, standpoint. That's why car sharing makes so much sense. Car sharing makes a lot of sense. And then um, you know, peer-to-peer -peer car rentals like Turo, things like that, where these car, the idea is that you, you know, if you take off and again, you take off at the airport on, the, on a flight, uh, maybe maybe you don't leave your car there hooked up in a V to G. Maybe you somebody picks up your car and they use it when you're gone, so that your car is has a much higher utilization factor. And of course, the higher the utilization factor of the car, the less V to G value there is, right? So, right. but uh, all that said. Um, you know, is looking up, when was the Model T? The Model T was first produced in 1908. So it's had a 113-year run, right? We've had a 113-year run with uh, internal combustion engines. 
and uh, and and via in single person vehicles, so cars. So I think we'll probably have cars for the foreseeable future. Uh, but it is interesting to think about that and to think that you know ultimately we want to solve all. all problems in parallel. Um, we don't want to use the inefficiency of our car uh, car utilization to help take care of the inefficiency of our grid. We want to take care of both things. Yeah. So, you know, it, ultimately um, we should have a lot more car sharing and a higher utilization of, of our cars. Um, ultimately we would be using a lot more mass transit. There'd be a lot, a lot more right, last, exactly. last mile solutions, again, that would obviate the car. Ultimately, we would change our zoning patterns and our zoning laws to allow for mixed use zoning so that people don't have to commute at all, that they can live and work and play in communities that are, that are, are, are really um, sustainable uh, in the long term. So, so there is, um, it is important to, to realize that, that uh, the inefficiency of car utilization uh, is something that should also be worked on in parallel. But we'll still have V2G, we'll still have school buses, and we'll still have fleets, and we'll still have trucks and all that, that again, that they can all be part of this, uh, this be part of this utility network and be part of, uh, be part of creating energy resilience, which, as we've talked about, is just becoming more and more important. Right. So perhaps it's a, it's a step in the right direction and, and not the destiny, destination necessarily. I think it is. I think it is. Um, you know, we've tried for years, we've tried to make more efficient cars and I'll never forget Ralph Nader saying at a conference that I went to, why, why are we focusing on making cars more efficient when we should really be getting out of our cars entirely? But that's the long, that's, that's the long term. There's going to be, uh, there's going to be decades, and decades here. And we've got really, really stiff challenges. And we know this from the COP that's just been going on. We've got really, really stiff challenges meeting this climate crisis and addressing this climate crisis. It's, it's all hands on deck. So uh, as, power, as power systems become more taxed uh, and it's more and more difficult to keep the lights on as we electrify buildings and cars, vehicle to grid is, is a piece of that equation, a, a very beneficial piece of that equation. Well, I think that's a, a really nice place to conclude. Um, thank you so much, Dad, for enlightening me and those out there in the internet. Um, we'll be back soon in another probably few weeks. Um, topic to be determined, but stay tuned. Um, Dad, do you have any final closing words before we sign off? I don't, but just thank, thank you very much. And uh, let's just all carry on. We, uh, we need to rapidly become a more sustainable society. And that's what all these crash courses are all about. So yeah, it's, it's go time. It's go it time. Is, it yeah. Is, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, dad. I love you tons. I'll talk to you soon and um, have a great day, everybody. <laughs> Onward. <laughs>